0: The Success in South Florida podcast is brought to you by the team at Rawson Law Firm. If you need DUI or criminal defense representation, call the Rawson Law Firm at 754-206-6200 or check the description of today's episode for more contact information. The Rawson Law Firm, helping good people when bad things happen so they can achieve their best futures. welcome to success in south florida featuring interviews with entrepreneurs leaders and other movers and shakers across south florida to find out how they're doing their part to enhance the local community your host is adam rawson the founder and ceo of the rawson law firm adam's an award-winning attorney former prosecutor and a lifelong south florida resident he became an attorney because he believes in helping those in need and in crafting lifelong relationships in the community this podcast is an extension of that mission. Let's get to today's interview.
1: Here's Adam Rawson. And welcome to another episode of the Success in South Florida podcast. I'm your host, Adam Rawson, founder and CEO of the Rawson Law Firm. And on today's show, we have my great friend, Nick Sortle, who I'm going to let him talk about really his background, but I've known him uh, for basketball coaching about almost 10 years now. He was a reporter at the Sun Sentinel for roughly 20, 30 years. He became city commissioner of Plantation, and now he is the mayor. So welcome, Nick. Great to see you.
2: It's great to see you too. Life takes many, many twists and turns. It's great to see you doing so well. And kind of like you, I'm helping people.
1: Yeah, that's really what it's all about, right? There's many ways to be successful, but I've always felt got to help people. You know, it's not just about money or fame or this or that. It's it's about helping others and making our community better. And that's why we have the show here to really talk about our South Florida community. So, Nick, why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself, you know, how you got started in journalism and where where your career has led?
2: Well, it's kind of a, a, a crazy path. And I'm sitting here looking, sitting right here in the mayor's office right now shaking my head about how I got here. But now that I look back, it, it makes pretty good sense. Um, Grew up in Southern Illinois, loved math and journalism. So I got degrees in both in in four years and played music. So always had varied interests. Ended up working here at the Sun Sentinel 1985 to 2015. Uh, Claim to fame between my wife and I as we've been in every gym, because she was a high school sports editor. And of course, I love sports Worked as a newspaper guy for 30 years, Newspaper industry started to wane a little bit. My next career became running for city council, got elected by 1% in 2018. And uh, 2020, I looked up on the dais and said, "Uh, I think I'm the best person up here. I should be mayor. And so uh, I ran in 2022 in November, and I was elected mayor 61% to 38 against the incumbent.
1: Wow. So Especially with not really having a personal background in uh, politics, right? So, yes. but before we before we get into that, I, I kind of want to go back to how we met. So we met all over ten years ago now. Oh um, yeah, time really, time really does fly. Yes, we we met over ten years ago when we were both coaches at American Heritage in Plantation. So has coaching always been in your blood?
2: Oh, absolutely. My my dad was a basketball coach in a small town in Illinois. It was basically Hoosiers. Um, I had the keys to the gym since I was age six or seven. And when my dad died, they named the gym after my dad. It was Mike Sortle Gym. Oh, that's and amazing. When, my, when my dad died, we had Mike Sortle's funeral in Mike Sortle's gym uh, about ni- wow. uh, 2014. Wow. So I'm a coach's kid. And then when I came down here, I got an opportunity and I learned a lot from coaches here. You're always learning, Adam, you know this. You might have one or two coaches that are your Buddha, but every take, we're so competitive. You're going to take a crumb of info from everybody possible to get where you want to go. Right. Absolutely. And
1: we had some great times at American Heritage. You know, we won states in 2014. And yes. you pretty much have coached, I think, at every single level at American Heritage and throughout South Florida. Is that right?
2: Yeah. A 30 year career, 1990 to 2020. I went from Cardinal Gibbons, freshman, Cardinal Gibbons, JV, American Heritage, JV assistant, and varsity assistant, then to Heritage. JV assistant mainly, but I like you. If you see a player, you can help. You're going to stick your nose in there, no matter what level. And then I went back to Heritage to St. Thomas for four years before council came along. So oh, it's, nice. it's it's like you. It's rewarding, and you know we'll talk about it later, I'm sure. But I'm actually more of a coach than I am a journalist now that I'm mayor. That those are the the techniques I apply are more from basketball. Every day feels like game day here, um, and journalism, of course, is a great background for looking at things level headedly.
1: But I'm more of a coach than anything. Right. Yeah. And I feel the same way too, as, as I've grown my business, it's a lot of the lessons that we, that I learned are applicable in, in every aspect of life through, through sports, but really through coaching. And I always like to say, just my decision to start coaching at, at 23, when I was in my second year of law school at UM Law, was one of the best decisions I ever made. I didn't yes. treat it as a hobby. I, I treated it as I was a professional coach. And just the people that I met, the lessons I learned. And, you know, we're, I'm learning every day, right? Just like you, yes. just like everybody. And just it, it's been one of the most amazing, best decisions I ever made in my life. It's got to be no ego
2: amigo always, right? No ego amigo. And um, we all did a little sliver of the pie. And, and sometimes it's it's just like team sports. There's the guy on, on the bench that gives the guy the pat on the back. And then there's a the guy playing. And, you know, then there are people who make the baskets, but you need every single one of them. And that's what I loved about at Heritage. Our, our head coach, Charlie Stevenson, actually was pretty encouraging about us being involved. He didn't overwhelm us and micromanage in what we do. He, he realized that we had abilities he may not have, and we got to deploy those.
1: That's right. He he was great uh, you know, That the the last few years. We kind of had a offensive coordinator, a defensive <laughs> coordinator. I mean, it, it was great the way that, that that he kind of managed us and just let us do our stuff. And, I mean, we had so much fun. Yeah. It was, it was but great. we ourselves
2: had to be coachable too.
1: Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah.
2: And that's what I'm learning now that I'm mayor too is I have to – I mean, um, I'm, I'm, as mayor in Plantation, they have what's called the strong mayor, meaning I actually run the city as opposed to most places, which has a city manager. We don't have one here. But – that said, I got to listen to my police chief and my fire chief and my finance person and allow myself to be coachable because um, they've been in the business a long time. and There's a reason they've been in it, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. Especially you as I don't want to say the newbie, but yeah. definitely you You don't. And I know and I know you covered politics for some time at um, at the Sun Sentinel, right? So you've been around it, but you haven't been in it in it behind the door Really making yes. some of the tough decisions.
2: Yes. So I loved being a journalist for 30 years. I was an editor for a while, and then I was a writer. I actually never was assigned to city beat or city government. I did more human interest and parks, and, and it ended up being entertainment at the end. But, right. but I, I the learned, gambling.
1: Yeah. The gambling stuff was great.
2: Yes. They opened all these casinos, and who's going to cover them? Well, the boss, the editor called me in and said, you're the new gambling writer. And yeah. uh, and so for research, I played poker a couple times a week. And that's another great trait to have is understanding people. And part of that, I, I credit to poker for 10 years of, of sitting there and, and realizing that poker isn't player versus cards. It's player versus player. Yes, yes. So, so I can tell when somebody's insecure. And actually, during meetings now, if I see somebody insecure, I will actually call them out and ask them to talk about what's on their mind, because a lot of times they're their anxiety there's there's a good reason for their anxiety and, and I I would rather not mess something up in the city where we can prevent it so but wow. journalism I got, I got to listen to things and I have 30 years of institutional knowledge about the city and I got to see different things it's such a great job if you have a curiosity and it looked to the world at the world through kind of a sense of wonder a childlike sense of wonder and I in the name of journalism you could knock on anybody's door and ask anybody anything so um it, it was really fun and really rewarding. I wouldn't trade it for anything.
1: Right. Similar to trial lawyers. You know, our job is to yeah. ask questions and ask questions, right? And yes, so I always like to tell our, our people, it just boils down to who, what, where, when, why, how, and keep going.
2: Yes. And and, and, and you got to learn to read people too, right?
1: Right. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Especially whether it's a, a deposition, whether it's a trial, whether it's a negotiation with a prosecutor, a motion with a judge. Even with the client, when you first meet with that client and their family, you have to build trust. You have to get to know them. You have to get them to open up to you because at the end of the day, for us, what we do in criminal law, I don't care. There's no judgment. We're here to help people. But right. you can't help unless you have that trust and the open and honest conversation. Not just honest, right? But open Yes, and yes. honest and,
2: and you're probably like me. At the Sun Sentinel, there's a thing that I would call the one person wrong story. The person would call me up about how the system messed them over and how things didn't happen. And I get that call here now at City Hall about somebody's permit to get denied. And usually when I get that story, they're not telling me the whole story course, when you get when you get the story from somebody about how they were wrong, usually when they give you those details, Adam, I bet you they're leaving out things.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And part of it is being that sleuth, being that yeah. investigator or detective. <laughs> yeah. Really un- unpack it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, but people are the best. It, it, it's I'm sure it's the same with all this in all three facets. The best thing about the job is the people and the worst things to people. Yes,
1: yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. at our firm we, we live for our people. 95% of our clients are amazing. Their fa- them, their families, yes. the impact that we make. And then we have a few that just are difficult or going through a difficult time. But yeah. what I can tell you what, what we have done from more of a of a marketing perspective is we try to attract and repel so we we've gotten mm-hmm. really good about which clients work well with us and and which ones we can be the best lawyers for and we're unapologetic about that so if yeah. it's a client that we just we're not the best for we have we know other lawyers who yep. are better for that particular client and it's about attracting right. and repelling yeah because uh, yeah. at the yeah. end and of the day we want to be able now. to help
2: right so. right been uh, very much so yes very much now so. in
1: politics I don't know if you can do that right
2: no and and I tell everybody you pay my salary 100,000 people or so in plantation and uh it doesn't matter if they're red blue purple or whatever doesn't matter if they voted for me we want to help them
1: right well I believe plantation's the fourth largest city in Broward is that correct
2: it's up there I I think um
1: Fort Fort Lauderdale, Pepper Pines, Hollywood and and I'm pretty sure Plantation or Coral Springs is fourth or fifth I think so
2: yeah I think so so yeah well Got a lot going on. We're in the center of the city and, uh, you know, people care, same thing, traffic development, those kind of things. But my real focus is it's it's like coaching again. I coach 14 department heads, fire chief, police chief, uh, accounting, HR, planning and zoning, building, all those types. And then they'll coach the rest of the 850 employees we have. And and my favorite word is encourage.
1: Okay, let's talk about that.
2: You take the word "encourage," and if you remember your Latin, or write it down here, "in" is a prefix meaning to give, and "courage" means the word courage. So when you encourage somebody using the actual uh, verbiage, you're actually giving them courage. When you think okay. about it, they, I, I that, like it. Did, did I knock that one past year? You, you you feel that that one okay?
1: Oh, I got it. I, I think that yeah. was an easy, an easy throw yeah. from a shortstop to <laughs> okay. space. base. That, that, yeah. that was a nice, easy one. But no, I, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Now, for you, Nick, right? How specifically has your life growing up in sports just really influenced your leadership style as mayor? Right. And what specific is there a is there a thing? That yeah. You could think back, maybe one or two stories or instances that you're like wow. This is the big lesson that I learned. Well, well, the biggest one I learned is there's always a way. and There's there's
2: always a way to, to, to find what you want to do if, if you keep digging hard enough. And the other one I learned from kids, actually, is that kids want to be challenged. I mean, the, the best team we had at Cardinal Gibbons before I met you, we said, OK, 70 layups this minute. They said, no, no, make it 80. Mm-hmm. And Keon Duelling, Keon Dooling, who played for us, went on to play in the NBA, as you know. Um, yep. The rule, the thing about Keon that was fascinating was as a freshman, he won the first suicide. You know, of course, now you can't call them suicides because of the legal thing. Uh, They have to be called line touches because something bad could happen. But with Keon, he won the first suicide and everybody knew it. And the rest of his four years, he did not lose a suicide and everybody knew it. So you can imagine how we ran our line touches at the end of practice. We didn't have to do no coaching because we had Keon,
1: you know, and and, and he said it there. Yeah. And that's for someone like him, maybe who at a very young age was a natural born leader. It makes it easier. But then there's also that aspect of developing leaders from within. So that way they can continue to carry the message forward, whether it's business, politics, sports. So that that's something that I've always learned, too, is kind of creating, you know, in my firm, we call it um, creating internal business drivers. People that can drive the business forward, not from a monetary standpoint or bringing in right. business, but people who can you know, internally just continue regardless of what their role or position is. Yeah. You, don't need a, you don't need a manager title to no. be an internal business driver at all. So that's something that we've incorporated in, into my law firm.
2: Yeah. And you keep them chugging along and they keep they keep the company moving in the yep, right Absolutely, and They're so it's usually value-add. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and it's funny you mentioned Keon. So you were on that staff when I was in high school because I was, let's see, my sophomore year when I was at Pinecrest, we played Gibbons. We only we lost by 50 the first time. And yes. then the and then the second time we only lost by about five. And in that second game, I, I was I was a sophomore, but I played yeah. a lot came off the bench and played a lot. And, but I, I do remember Keon uh, dunked on me pretty badly.
2: <laughs> oh, you weren't the only, that game was a Pinecrest, wasn't it? Yeah, they, yeah, I can't I remember that. The, the, I absolutely we, remember that. Now that you mentioned, and, I didn't know you were on the team, obviously. But, I, yeah.
1: I, I was on that team. I was probably the eighth man. Um, That was, I got, I started that year on JV and then I got pulled up to varsity. And I was definitely, I was in that rotation. I know at the end of the game, I, I made a three pointer right in Ryan Sheely's face. He had a great career at, at UF yeah. baseball. And I think we ended up losing by four or five. And it was just too little, too late. But that, that was an amazing, amazing game. Yes. Major yes. Parker, um, you know, Keon, there was an amazing team. Yeah. And um we, we fought hard. I, I know we shocked shocked them a little yes.
2: bit. Yes. But but see that challenge of playing them really put a fire under your butt. And and oh, yeah. and, and and so it got you to overperform almost.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, we were very upset that we lost by 50 the first time. <laughs> well, there's that too. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And, and messing something up can can also tick people off, you know. Right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for example, now we have a problem with the city with permitting. Everybody, we call them, nobody calls them here residents. Thank goodness. Our, our city staff gets it. They call them customers rather than residents. And that culture was here before I showed up. I take no credit for that, but it's a great culture. Um, unfortunately, people are filing for their permits and they're not getting them soon enough. So we're having to do yes. some corrections. We gotta find a way. And first thing we did was uh put it into numbers. We have this many now, we want we want to only have this many open by the end of the week. So like a scoreboard. Like metrics. a scoreboard, absolutely.
1: Right? You gotta you gotta so measure that, things. Yeah. Right. And so what I heard a few years ago that's always stuck with me, it's called Pearson's Law. Have you heard of Pearson's Law? Remind me. So it's that which is measured and reported improves exponentially. So it's about having not just the metrics, but having that scoreboard, that jumbotron, uh, if you want to even go with the sports analogy, yeah. and have that there at department meetings for everybody to see because it's just, it's there and, and it's going to affect performance. So the fact that you guys are doing that, that's great. Now, is that something, the, the delay, is that from COVID or is it just kind of city bureaucracy, city politics?
2: Um, boy, oh boy. All of the above. It's not COVID. It's it's not COVID. I've, I've learned this. When we talk about campaigning, I'll tell you what I did, but I met a lot of people campaigning and the number one thing they said was permitting is too slow. And so we don't communicate when we have fixes to be done. But the other part is the public doesn't know what they're doing, but that's on us to educate the public. Isn't it
1: right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I, so that's I completely agree.
2: from my point of view as a journalist, that's where it really comes in handy is, is if they're not getting the message, Maybe it's not on them. Maybe it's on the guy giving the message. So that's right. what we're looking at. You know, how, how can we coach up? Uh, look, anytime anybody needs a, a permit, it's under duress. It's under stress. It's like the dentist. You don't. You don't really want to be there, right? You right. don't want to be in permitting.
1: So, well, so you're talking that... to the son of a dentist, though, and I. Oh, and okay. I was still...
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so how do you control that? So, you know, we're looking at. You know, do we make videos? Do do we get concierge permitters? You know, people like you Public and me. Awareness yeah, we don't know anything about permitting for crying out loud. We go in, oh, I needed a fence for that. Oh, who told me?
1: Yeah, no, no, I I completely agree. And one thing that you said earlier that I want to really talk about is you said one of the lessons you learned is there's always a way. So in our firm, we call it get to yes, right? And, And we basically say, hey, if there's a wall, dig a hole under it, walk around it, blow it up, climb over it, figure it out, get to yes. So um, what do you do, and what have you done to coach up your 14 direct reports in the city um, to always find a way?
2: First off, I meet with them every every two weeks, and and I'm still in the beginning stage. I'm only, you know, three or four months in, so um, I'm still evaluating on on what we need to fix and everything. And, and but they know I'm there for them. The other mayor was more insecure and liked to beat people down. I like to lift people up. And that culture has been very, it's been very noticeable in City Hall. People come up to me and say, it's just so different in here. Now I can actually talk to somebody and not feel like I'm getting yelled at. So, number one thing is tell them it's okay to disagree with me. And I tell them that if you think I'm wrong, it doesn't matter what chair I'm sitting in, you got to tell me because the public's going to find out anyway. Right. So, so that there's more of that than, than the actual look, they've been doing this. Most people to become a department head, say in Parks and Rec. That means you are a park supervisor, then a coach, then a field maintenance guy, and now you're the director. So you put 15, 20 years into parks. So with that in mind, there's that technical knowledge that they have that there's no way I would ever have. Although as a user, I've been a parks user for 30 years. So have you, for granted loud. Right. right. Right.
1: So you right. So but as far as the day to day operations, you're not that's not your area of expertise. So it's, it's again, I think it goes back to coaching the coaching to managing to mentoring and the mentor mentee relationship doesn't have to be based on age um, or even right. position, right? It's right. Just, it's a relationship and, you and team, team is
2: everything. So, uh, we, we had a special meeting. It wasn't my meeting procurement department, wanted to train everybody on how to read contracts better. They had a meeting down in city hall chambers, 60 people were down there. Um, I start off the meeting with the mic and I said, look, here's the deal. Some of you don't know each other. We could do the go around the room thing, but nobody likes that. You have to go meet three people you don't know. And they'll look at me and they go, pretend like it's high school guys. It's okay. And <laughs> so, so everybody, there are some obvious ones that there. there's a guy running the tennis center. Unless you play tennis, you don't know who he is. The person running the golf course, you don't know who she is. And so you grow that circle and you, you make each other better. Obviously, and, and team, and that's what team does. It's back to Keon and the suicides, right? The people internally, well, look at FAU for crying out loud. They play for each other. I mean, they love the coach, but they're playing for each other. They it's really amazing. are, right? It's and it's absolutely and, amazing. And yeah. they want it for their friends as much as they want it for themselves, right? You know? Oh, yeah.
1: Well, in a way, um, you know, our, our my last team, well, you stayed at Heritage, but my you know, our last yeah. team together when we won state championship, that team played for each other. That team, they had been together the the nucleus for at least 3 years together in high school and that nucleus was just a group of friends for probably 5 to 8 years yes and they had kind of come up together so it wasn't just a mishmash hodgepodge of people us putting together this was you know people that had had blood sweat literal yeah. tears together um for many 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 years
2: yes and and you look at it um you know The two years before we got to the States, the year before we got to the state final, and then we finally won the championship. So each time they kept learning what it takes and each time they, they put out a little more effort and, and had to, you know, sacrifice a little bit more. It might've been fewer shots for some people that wanted to go. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah, They they definitely do. They they definitely had that that Mm self-sacrifice, the the team above self. And I think that's really important as far as any organization Mm -hmm. that that you're a part of if you want to achieve collective success. And I think that's what makes team sports so great is it's easy to be a swimmer or tennis. I mean, there's no knock on those sports. They're great sports. But it's just it's a completely even when you're doing doubles or a relay, it's a completely different vibe than you know, being faced with the decision of do I take the last shot or do I pass to my teammate who has a better chance to win um, and seeing whether it's five people or football, 11 people or whatever the sport is across anything, just a group of people working in unison for one common goal. I think it's amazing. It's, I think there's nothing right. better in life than team sports.
2: You're right. And just look at Ryder Cup golf. Like you said, I mean, those guys play an individual sport, but come Ryder Cup, that that hole they're putting to gets a lot smaller. Uh, yes. Yeah, that is. Yes. So, so it was interesting that, that you talked about that because as, as mayor, my other big philosophy is I don't care who gets the credit. Look, I got, like I said, I won my election by 61% to 38. So I'm pretty comfortable if I ever wanted to run again, unless I did something egregious, I would be in decent shape. So I don't need the attention. I don't need the fame. You know, I had a great journalism career. So I, I, I saved my money well enough. I like the money, but I don't need the money. And so it's a very good place to be in. When you're in that spot where you can just say, "Let's just do the work and let's just help people," and I don't have to worry about me or my name or anything like that, which you know, so very, I think that's, very great. But, in that spot,
1: and that's so rare these days, especially in politics. So I want to talk a little bit about that before we go to our commercial break. Okay. So, so Nick, talk to me about just being that that selfless leader where it's not about you or the fame or the fortune or look at me, that look at me mentality. You really are coming from a place of just wanting to give back.
2: Right. Well, there are a lot of politics that are in that dip spot. I mean, you look at the U.S. House of Representatives, they're running every two years. And and so they're constantly campaigning. I don't know how they do it. I'm not sure. I love that law because your decisions that you make are somewhat tainted by getting reelected. Um, I had the same thing on city council where I'm going like, well, if I vote this way, these people might not vote for me next time. So it, it does taint the idea of just doing what's best for you. I'm at the sp I'm finally at the spot in my life. Now I don't care if I get reelected and I do care what people think, but the number one thing is, you know, I get to do what's best. It takes some work to get there. You know, it, it does.
1: Right. Well, and I think that's where where the actual magic can happen when you're selfless. And you're really thinking about what's the best. And and there's a lot of diversity in in plantation and it's trying to make tough decisions. So actually, um, I want to talk about this real quick. How have you learned to make tough decisions? Because I've always believed that's one of the hardest things to do is to be the final decision maker and consistently get it right. Um, Whether it's my clients or even I learned, right? And you as well. There's a huge difference between sitting down as the assistant basketball. Oh coach, yeah, standing up as the head coach. Yes. So how, yeah, right. So so how <laughs> did you learn that to just, especially as mayor, to, to look at people and say, two of you are not going to be happy with me, three of you will, but this is what I believe is the best for everybody and why. It's funny Andy. you
2: ask. It's funny you ask that today because today's the day um, that we're determining how many positions for next budget year. And guess what? All 14 department heads, guess what? Do you think they want more people or fewer? Everybody wants more people. Everybody wants more people and everybody needs more budget. And so some people are going to get told no. And uh, this is new for me. And, and and it's probably one of my weaknesses, giving people bad news. But you have to be solid about your decision. And if you feel like you've researched it well and you can defend your decision, then you're in good shape. At Sun Sentinel, the rare times when I wrote a good story, Before it went to press, they called it prosecuting a story, actually. Your story, every word would go in front of somebody who's never read it. How do you know this? How do you know that? Why did you use this word? Why do you use that? Because a couple hundred thousand people are going to read it eventually anyway, right? So we prosecuted our stories. And if we couldn't defend why we wrote something, that kind of meant something, didn't it? So so having that background really helps me for this one. Okay.
1: And is your approach going to be that iron fist of this is my decision and it is what it is, or are you going to meet with people individually and kind of counsel them and coach them and explain data and logic, or is it just more emotions? Well, well, their emotions.
2: Yeah. Well, again, this is where journalism comes in handy because there's black and white, but there's so much gray in the middle. And that's what makes a good story. Everybody here can make an argument for their jobs or for their positions that they need. But then also I have to make an argument for taxpayer dollars, and there is going to be a limited number to that. If you know, it, presuming you don't raise taxes, which is usually off the table, um, so you give everybody their say, you talk to people that might know as much as you, and then you got to make your decision. And and uh, you will lay, lie at the ceiling, you know, staring at the ceiling at night now and then, but um, that's the uncomfortable part of it. And mean you know, you knew that when you got your job, and I knew that when I got this job. That there would be days like and basketball coaching when it was cut day, we didn't have it in heritage as much. But no. when it was cut day, you boy,
1: those days were not fun, absolutely not, yeah, not fun at all to look at a kid and say, I'm sorry, but right, yes, and yeah, it is so. All right, well, Nick, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a very quick break to hear from our sponsor and we'll be back. And I wanna talk about how you won your election, your strategy, and the role that mentors had in your transition into politics. When
0: something bad happens, who do you turn to? In South Florida, the answer is the Rawson Law Firm, criminal and DUI defense for when bad things happen to good people. The Rawson Law Firm is a team of six award-winning criminal defense attorneys, including two board certified criminal trial experts. They also have federal and white collar divisions in the practice. Every day, the team's mission is simple, to help when bad things happen to good people so they can achieve their best future. To learn more about the team and how they can help you, connect on Facebook and Instagram at Rossen Law Firm. You'll also find helpful and entertaining videos on Rossen Law Firm YouTube channel. Just check this episode's description for all the ways you can
1: connect. All right, and welcome back from our commercial break. We're here with Nick Sortel on the Success in South Florida podcast. And so, Nick, I want to pivot a little bit to the end of your journalism career and just how you decided to get into politics and what that was like. Did you seek any mentors out? And then we can talk about just how you you know, came out of nowhere, literally nowhere and, and won an election.
2: Yes. Um, at the end of my journalism career, there were six rounds of layoffs. Wife and I went to the beach one day and said, well, what's your plan B? And one of them among mine were doing the Ironman triathlon, quitting and being a teacher and a basketball coach or running for city council. And about a year or two later, two people left the council and I said, well, maybe it's time. I I wrote so much about the people uh, and I thought, I think I could do a little bit better than them. And and I've watched what they do. And then the two people we had on the council uh, treated people badly and, and, and they just rambled on about things so with my wife's blessing, I decided to run in 2018. Well, now your
1: wife's blessing is probably the most important thing for your political career. Yes, indeed. Right? She, was, she went, went
2: from hell no to hell yes.
1: Okay. We, we were, now, yeah. How How did you get that to happen? Did you have to campaign with her or or campaign to her to get her to approve? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So um, she wondered how it would change her life and everything. And and we talked about it. Council's a part-time job. Mayor's a full-time job. I'm at now, I work eight to four thirty every day. But back then, I, I was—it's uh, part time. You do it when you wanted to, and and she bought that in, bought into that pretty quickly. The spot I was running for looked like it was going to be open, and nobody else was going to file because you could take a four-year term, but the one I was going for was a two-year term because the guy had quit okay. mid mid-season, and who wants to do it again? But I but I did, and I ran for it. And it was Jerry Fagin's old seat. Jerry ran for mayor. And Jerry died on Memorial Day of of the year of the election. So um, his son decided to honor his father's legacy by running for the seat Jerry vacated, which meant he ran against me. And it's a very popular name in politics. And a heck of a story, right? A father following his son after his son died. (coughs) A lot of people love that storyline. So I was an underdog and I knocked on um, 7,000 doors. I knocked on basically 100 doors a day for two months. And people vote for you if they know you. It's it's like you with your firm, if somebody's under duress and they need a criminal defense lawyer, they're gonna call somebody they know, right? Right,
1: it's about no like and trust, right?
2: Yes, yes. so people, it didn't matter if I was red or blue, you cared enough to knock on my door, sir, I'm voting for you. And, you know, I studied everything. I knew the issues and that kind of thing. But I basically, and I won by one point, just by the fact that more people knew me than him. I would love to say I'm I'm a great politician and everything. And it was just a matter of I put in the time and he didn't think he needed to actually. He took me a little bit lightly and he'll admit that now. And now he's on council and and we're we're pretty good friends. So, okay. So it worked out for everybody. It worked out for everybody. I got re-elected after the two-year term to another two-year term in 2020. So in 2022, I had two years left. Do I give up those two years and run for mayor? That was a big conversation we had at home. And um, we decided, yeah, I'd run for mayor. And I knocked on 100 doors a day for 100 days. And, and okay. so there are so many people in this city that says, I voted for you, you knocked on my door. I bump into people, um, they've seen me. But the other thing I did, which is important, is the main Facebook page here is Plantation Nation, 25,000 people follow it. And I answer questions and I solve people's problems on Facebook and people know me on Facebook and next door because if they have a question about the city, I either tell them who to call or I try to answer it for them. And social media is everything in terms of not just pimping yourself out, but genuinely helping people and giving people answers.
1: And making yourself accessible. Yes. Whether, whether it's old school knock on doors, because even uh, what was the story that I think 30, 40 years ago, Lawton Childs did that, right? Walking Lawton. Up? Yeah. Right. Right. You know, when I was a kid. <laughs> um. So that, that's kind of the old school and and sometimes old school becomes new again.
2: Yes. Um, and, and so there was an employee survey with the current mayor. 38% said I found the mayor approachable, which meant 62% said the mayor is not approachable, meaning they would be scared to walk up and talk to her. That, that that's a big problem. High. Yeah, yeah, that's a big problem. If only 38% of the people feel like they can talk to you, that's a problem. And and first off, my nature is better than that. But second, I realized that. And and I also realized the employees in the city mean a lot. And so I got to know all the employees. Because if you don't know anybody and people are running for office in Boca Raton and you know somebody who works in the city, you might go, hey, is so-and-so better than this? right there, exactly. your reference points. So I had many city employees were my reference point because i would gotten to know them over the years. And then I went every home HOA, but I went under the um, guise of, of providing information more than just saying, hey, I'm great. Here are 10 things going on yes. this in the city. I actually, I did an old school flip chart. I mean, you guys would all do PowerPoint, I know now, but um, mm-hmm. I like the flip chart because you depend on zero technology. I would count it down from traffic to schools, to public safety, to uh, parks, to personnel. And I would flip each one and say, here's the way it is now. Maybe we could do this part better. Do you have any questions? And and I wanted conversations, more than lectures. The conversations, and the same thing in journalism. A conversation, or like we're doing now, is better than an interview where there's a white light on you and somebody's holding a notebook.
1: I couldn't agree more.
2: Yeah, and Those answers are going to be staged, and I bet you have that too.
1: Hundred percent, and there's you gave some amazing, you know, valuable information. So even just talking about g- being that information provider for people, and and really it comes down to marketing. But marketing is not a bad word, right? When you right. are are there to build the trust, to right. And how do you build trust? In some ways, it's by solving people's problems by having conversations making them feel that you really genuinely care and you understand and giving information. And those are all the things that I learned throughout my journey with growing and building you know, the law firm that, that we do. So for example, our website, it's not pictures of us saying hundred years combined and we're tough and we're this it's and holding it's some plaque. Yeah. Right. It, it's about the, it's about the client. It's about yeah. giving them information, holding their hand, educating them. We educate all of our clients through this process because they're, they're scared. They're terrified. I I love the fact that you've been able to talk about some of these things. um, And and really, you know, the hustle, but not just the hustle, right. And making it about you, you made it about the people.
2: Yes. You got to have the product. If you're not a good product and, and people meet you and same thing on, on internet that I've learned quite a bit is people will go to a, a page on the internet. And if it's not good, they're not coming back. You get one shot, and if you have um, routine information or people read that and go, unless they say, I didn't know that, then you probably aren't gonna keep them. People are looking for, I didn't know that. If they can okay. answer that after talking to you, you know. So, so and, and I had good spend- mentors. I had right. really okay, good well, mentors, yeah.
1: Well, before we get to the mentors, okay, I, I wanna talk about two months in the you know, the, the dead heat of summer of you knocking on doors. Well, really, there's, we have nine months of summer here. Yes. So did you do that by yourself? Did you have anybody to help you? And when you're knocking on doors, how did you deal with the person who was just like, oh, I don't want to be bothered. <laughs> and how did you win them over?
2: Yes. Yes. So um, I've considered myself pretty lucky. I got some people that said no, but I didn't get too many hateful people. I I would map out a turf the night before. Uh, There was was a program that showed who all votes in a certain neighborhood, and you could draw a map with it. So I had my map, and I would go from door to door of likely voters. Uh, Sometimes I had a friend that went with me and just wanted to do it. Uh, My wife went with me some, but it's a hard thing. Boy, oh, boy, the first door you knock on every day, I'm sitting there going, like, I can't do this, I can't do this. (laughs) But once I knock on the first door, I'm good. You know, right. what if they hate me? What if they don't like me? And most people, first off, they're glad you knocked on their door. I, I got a lot of I've never had a politician knock on my door before. And and then second off, it's it's got to be quicker than your elevator pitch. It's got to be one sentence. And and so some people do they read this whole script and everything. I don't know how they do it. You know, people don't want to stand at their door a long time.
1: Right. Hey, I'm
2: Nick. Hey, I'm Nick. I'm running for mayor. I've been on council uh, for four years. This flyer is about me. Please vote for me. That's it and right. anything
1: else and then let them engage yeah. if they want to yeah. keep and stay and talk then let them engage and if not you're in you're out you said hello That's, right and then the ball they can in there. be on a
2: phone call they could be watching the middle of a tv show they could be watching ted lasso and not want to leave it could be dinner time a thousand different things so you don't have the control of that but you got to realize that and give up the control okay and, and realize are, you're not going to win everyone
1: are you a natural introvert or extrovert
2: well i'm an extrovert all over the place that's, okay. And and that goes back to journalism. Um, I would all, I would always get the kook calls, so I'm comfortable now as mayor. Um, the crazy person who says he has a talking dog or whatever—they just transferred those over to me. And I actually had a story about a guy who lived on his por- who hung out on his porch in Miramar. Got out of my car and just stopped to talk to him. I said, "This guy looks interesting," and I wrote a whole story about how the neighborhood made this guy do stay alive and everything. And it made chicken soup for the soul, which is a big deal. I'm very proud of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, journalism, one guy wrote a journalism book and used me as a model of you got to get out of your car. You can't drive just, you can't just drive by. And I see that now when I see people working on flowers or stuff in the city, I get out, put my card in my hand, tell them I'm the mayor, tell them I appreciate what they're doing for making our city better. If they need me, email me
1: right and so it definitely helps that you're a natural extrovert to do that cuz for yes. for somebody who's more inclined to be an introvert i think it would just take a lot more momentum and energy to break out of that that comfort zone so yes. uh, i'm sure that definitely helped you and, yes. and it seems you really took a methodical strategic approach to this you know you didn't do the shotgun approach you looked at the super voters yep and, and i know how to get those lists too yes. and just <laughs> planned right preparation
0: yes. planning
1: and and then putting in the work, so it's a multi multi step process here for this. And you did old school technique, and you had new school technique of well, it's not so new school anymore, social media. But you you embrace that, and and there's a in, in a way, well, more than in a way, that that is the new media. It's YouTube. It's people know you. Facebook people Instagram. feel like they know you.
2: I have four thousand Facebook friends, and probably a thousand of them I've never met in person, but they feel like they know me. Right. Yep. That, yes. that
1: no like and trust.
2: And I had a mantra the mantra was you walk, you win. And so I'd wake up in the morning and I, if I would try to talk my side, I would go, Hey, you walk, you win, you walk, you win. And so that, that was my theme in my head for four months. That
1: mm-hmm. yeah, paid yeah. off. It yeah. Paid, paid yeah. Off three times. Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm sure it'll pay off even more. All right. Well, now you mentioned mentors. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Who were your mentors when you're breaking into an entirely new field of um politics.
2: Yes. Uh Pete Tinjum was one. He was the old principal of Plantation High. And I still talk to him. And he's he's out of politics now. He actually ran for mayor and lost in 2018. And it was a close race, and he probably should have won. But putting that aside, it was hard for him to put that aside actually. So now that I'm mayor, he feels like in some ways he's involved with the mayor. Um he's on my calendar every six weeks. He walks in. And I'm holding right now, he has a typewritten checklist. First thing, check your family and well-being. Make sure you hang out with your grandchildren. Are you delegating enough? Have you done evaluations of people? Are you communicating too much or too little? And then things by department. Uh, what about this with fire? What about this? Because he knows, see, he has the knowledge deep down of what happens to. I don't just need a coach to come in and say, oh, you're doing great. You. Do I needed somebody with actual deep down knowledge. And that's why I'm very right. grateful that I got him. You know, that's and, and that's a huge thing. Yeah, I imagine you have trial lawyers that you followed, or a, 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 a either a support group or a professional organization or training or something like that.
1: Always, absolutely. Whether it's whether it's the trial skills, especially when I was a young lawyer. Now, so for me, it's more of business and marketing people just people who have grown larger firms that I can learn from and run ideas and scenarios and planning by and it's some people outside of of the legal profession just really successful business owners and entrepreneurs that I'm trying and what I've realized is people by far and away, people want to help other people, especially successful people want to help people and pay it forward. It's just a matter of you making it happen or asking and not being afraid of rejection and the answer no. So one of my goals over the last few years was to develop a a bunch of mentors in different areas. And and I was deliberate and intentional about it, Uh, just like you were deliberate and intentional about your plan to paint. And that, that helped me tremendously. And even as a young basketball coach 20 years ago, it, it was the same thing. It was, okay, who can I know? Who can I meet? You know, I was a law student and just right. took the chance to say, I want to get into coaching and I want to develop mentors in this field and being unafraid of being rejected. The first time um, I was rejected when I was down in Miami, I went to the the coach at Gulliver, didn't know him and just, oh, brutal- wow personal statement and he's just like i'm sorry i don't know you and i don't need the the help and then i saw that my old high school shamanad madonna got a new coach and cole called him and he said come work my camp for free i'll give you ch- i'll give you a shot and i said okay i'm in and did it and then i was in and that was my foot in the door and never looked back yeah so yeah okay, and then, so you, then have- you had
2: the bug because you watched the kids throw the ball through the basket and the great thing about basketball it's very measurable you win you lose and you see kids get better and there's nothing more rewarding than that.
1: Oh, absolutely. And the, and the relationships yes. that you make and just yes. exactly being able to see, okay, you put in the work and you can see the skill. And that's why at the lower level of talent,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: in a way it's even more rewarding because that's oh, yeah. when you can see the difference in in skills and abilities and you can see your impact and the player's impact of practicing right. and playing and and learning and you can just see it so much more it's it's so much easy to easier to measure than when you already have a very talented player right
2: right no that's a good call that's definitely a good call
1: so okay and and now besides um besides that other that one mentor do you have any others or did you have any others maybe you know going back 30 40 years ago in your journalism career is there just anybody in particular that really got you gave you your start and was there to to coach you
2: yeah um you could call it people but i can call it there are certain people born with this gift of writing the words just flow out of their out of their hands to, to the keyboard and everything i'm not that guy i'm the guy who has this little voice on my shoulder saying you suck you suck you can't do this but what i learned was by going to enough seminars and learning techniques i can knock that guy off my shoulder and so i'm more of of a um adding technique kind of writer and walt harrington was a guy who taught narrative journalism that's what i learned about he said um a movement through time action concrete detail and, and dialogue for example are things that make a narrative and so you might be a little young but i have the perfect narrative that we used you ready
1: i'm ready come listen and, to. and a story. i like that you said i'm i'm sorry i like that you said i'm still a little young
2: i got you covered there so this might be all young. right come listen to a story about a man named jed He was a poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. Then one day he was shooting at some uh, crews and up through the ground came a bubbling crude oil, that is, black gold, Texas tea. Next thing they know said, Jed, move away from there. So there's dialogue, meaning action. And that was Beverly Hillbillies, if you didn't know. I'm sorry.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is is probably more than one of the years. I said Smell You Later. Uh, The the, the theme song in the opening of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is actually a narrative. And so what you learn by doing that. Is I learned when I didn't have good stories, how can I pull it out of my tail? And narrative techniques is what got me there.
1: People love stories. People love learning yeah, people, from stories. They no bond kid, over stories.
2: No kid ever lies in the bed and mom comes up and the kid never says, Mommy, mommy, tell me an article. What do they say? Tell me a story.
1: Right. right. Yeah. And so that that brings up uh something that I learned recently from a marketing perspective: is the hero's journey. Right. Go ahead. So, the the hero's journey. It's the same story, no matter where you go. It's the Iliad. It's the Odyssey. It's Star Wars. It's, you know, it's true. Right. And so from a, even from a marketing standpoint, you're telling a story and what we do, what we've learned, the technique is we, as the lawyers are not the hero. The client is the hero. We are Yoda Yeah, and Yoda's great, but the client is Luke Skywalker. The client yes. is the hero. And and it's um, you know, it, it goes back to ancient Greek and Roman writings, the, the hero's journey.
2: It's gotta so, be their um, story. You're right. It's gotta be their story. Yep. It can't be your story.
1: That's right. interesting. Absolutely. So yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you know, obviously we we talk we talk about ourselves. You need to know who we are yeah. as people and as lawyers, but it's all about the client. Mm-hmm all about all about them and, and probably the same all about the residents right the, yes you know, and, and you and you're right you get in
2: interviewing they call it you got to give a little piece of you and the better interviewers give you details of them that they connect with just like you do as an attorney saying oh I had a bicycle too and just like coaches you know as you get to know not in the middle of practice but offside saying you know I played too, I missed shots and you give them a way to identify with you and connect with you yep. and I'm really good at that I'm really because I'm a because I'm a resident, a customer, and a user in my city here. uh, A lot of the things that any people are inquiring about are things I've I've experienced. So I'm pretty lucky that way.
1: Yeah, exactly. No matter (laughs) what industry you're in, if you're dealing with people, it's customer service. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Perfect. Well, well, Nick, we definitely you know this this has been fantastic, and we're going to have to wrap it up. So, how can people get in touch with you?
2: The easy one is is email. I, I live off of my email. And the easy email is mayor at plantation.org. That's, that's pretty memorable, I think. Mayor at plantation.org. Right. Uh, send me ideas. Send me uh, things that your city is doing that maybe my city should be doing. Send me things your city isn't doing well. And let's see if my city is doing it. Because I know it's this obviously reaches well beyond plantation. So, right. um, and we all help each other, you know, I, I call mayors, I call any, anybody, there's a the Florida league of cities. We all help each other. 411 cities, by the way, in, plan, in, in Florida, if you were curious Oh wow. and, and we all, um, and the average population is 5,000, just so you know. So we are obviously outliers here. So right. a lot of small cities up there. And so we help each other. Exactly. That's all I got to Perfect.
1: say and and facebook i know you're very active on facebook too oh, yeah. so they, they can find you there we can get your 4000 up to maybe 5000 <laughs> it's all good it's all and, good and and join the plantation nation uh, if you live in plantation that that facebook group cuz you're you're very active so great well nick thank you so much you know this was fantastic i, I think not just catching up with you but really yeah. the life lessons that that you you know we're able to share with with our listeners is, is just fantastic and much needed um in today's day and age with everything going on and for people who want to be successful so um and just live a happy life so thank you so much nick and um i can't wait to talk to you again
2: you are welcome uh for the past hour i've had a smile on my face think about the times we did everything together and everything it was really good really really good to have a chat with you whether it gets recorded or not i don't care but the chat itself is great so that's it
1: yes all right absolutely all right thanks nick take care